hands together. Put your 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 hands together. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming out to the East TV. Good to see you. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming. I'm not Cameron Esposito, uh, but I think you can tell from the shirt that I'm clinically depressed. Uh, appreciate it. A lot of good-looking people here. You can tell even with the lights. That's a good sign. I uh, hope you guys laugh, or maybe like the good looks are enough for you. Uh, I, uh, I like gay people. I just don't see why we even have to classify people based on sexuality. I think it's a little weird. Like, it's just so arbitrary. The reasons we have against gay marriage in this country, take away the context, genuinely creative and funny. Uh, I love them. I think they're so funny. Like, my favorite by far is, well, if a guy can marry another guy, what's to stop a guy from marrying his dog? And I just don't know why this is a big deal, because if you're at the point where you're going to marry your dog... You've definitely already fucked that dog. Uh, that's definitely already happened. I don't think you're waiting, you know what I mean? I think you're just picking the tail up and going in there. You own the dog, you know? I think that's it. And at least this would contain it to one dog. I feel like that's pretty good crisis management, considering the circumstances. Uh, if they stay married for 10 years, they'll stop fucking. That's how marriage works. I just solved your problem. Like, I don't want a guy to fuck his dog any more than any of you do. But even worse than that, I don't want some swinging dick bachelor fucking like 30 dogs just because he's a single man. I feel like that's way worse. If you like it, put a collar on it. You're still a voter, you know what I mean? You're still a fucking voter. You still pay taxes. It's very weird how uh, we treat gay people in this country. It's very, very bizarre. We blame them for so much shit they have nothing to do with. Like natural disasters. Like I remember when Hurricane Sandy happened. I went over to Fox News just to see how not to handle the situation. Uh, and they had that piece of shit Pat Robertson on there. And he was like, oh, that guy, like the 700 Club psycho Christian dude. And he's like, oh, you, uh, you think the global warming caused... Uh, cause the hurricane, don't you? You're wrong. It's because gay people exist in this country. This is what he said to millions of people. And he said it like, oh, gay people are so awful that they cause hurricanes. But in my opinion, if by having gay sex you can cause hurricanes, sign me up literally right now. I mean, that's the craziest super talent of all time. I've never had sex like that. I've had a ton of straight sex, all of it pathetic. I still can't come inside a woman. Uh, I have no idea why. But I can tell you that the best thing that can come out of straight sex is a baby, and I'd definitely rather have a hurricane at my disposal. Like, I'd love to have that, you know what I mean? Just throw it at random people. You can still name the hurricane if you want to. They let you do that now, you know? Ooh, some residual laughter. Did you just yawn, sir? I will come on you. Do you understand? I have so much power as the host of this show. They would just consider it performance art. I wouldn't get in any trouble, and I'd get off. It'd be wonderful. You guys ready for a great show? We have a, uh, a great lineup uh, full of wonderful comics, uh, some very good friends of mine as well. Uh, this first guy is about to go on a tour uh, for three months. He is an incredible comic. Uh, his website is heyron.com. The tour is called uh, Bends It Like Babcock. Everyone give it up for the amazing Ron Babcock. <laughs> I'm about a round of applause for Jake and his penis full of cum. Guys, thank you so much for coming out. Can I be honest with you guys? I'm always amazed whenever anybody comes out to a comedy show in Los Angeles. Like, you guys came from your houses here. That's amazing to me. Because I think we all know how close you were to staying in and just watching TV. Don't feel bad. 
I almost stayed in and I'm on the goddamn show. And you can't, like, TV right now is killing it. TV is amazing. Whatever you're into, there is a show for you. And I don't know about you, but I find that overwhelming. Like, I just feel, no matter how much I watch, I'm constantly behind. I mean, is it bad when watching something in your Netflix queue makes you feel productive? (laughs) Just catch up on Breaking Bad? Done and done! (laughs) What else you got, life? (laughs) And you're never, you're never going to be caught up. That's the thing. You're never going to see all the shows. Because whenever you go out, someone then recommends another show that you have to watch. And I don't know about you, but it always, whenever anyone recommends a TV show to you, do you ever notice it always feels like they're trying to get you to date their best friend? (laughs) Do you know Game of Thrones? Oh, you don't know Game of Thrones? You would love Game of Thrones. (laughs) Honey, come here. Don't you think that he would really like Game of Thrones? You know, we're having a party this Sunday. (laughs) Game of Thrones is going to be there. And like you watch the show, and if you're not into it for whatever reason, you always feel like you're letting that person down. They're like, what'd you think of Game of Thrones? It was nice. Yeah, I just, um, I'm just not in a place right now to give Game of Thrones the time that it deserves. I just got out of this thing with Breaking Bad, and... I don't know, I just feel like I need to focus on reality. <laughs> TV shows, because they don't want anything serious and neither do I. Huh? <laughs> I, uh, I came up here from Hollywood, where I live, bragging, and I passed by a party bus, which, um, I'll be honest, I don't get. I don't get party buses, I don't understand how they exist. Cause, you know, drinking in a car, that's not allowed. <laughs> but on a party bus, it's okay. Somehow the rules don't apply because everyone had 60 bucks. And that's crazy because it means not only did someone have to have that idea, but then he had to go to someone in the government who had to issue him a small business permit. So that guy had to hear someone go up to him and be like, yeah, man, I got an idea. I want to start a business where I drive people from one bar to another bar in a bus that's also a bar. <laughs> is there going to be seatbelts? No. <laughs> what is there going to be? Lasers. <laughs> Thousands of tiny lasers. Also, dubstep, hard liquor, and a stripper pole. You know, for dancing. <laughs> a party bus is just a really fun ambulance. <laughs> You guys, uh, you guys doing the old Tinders? You guys swiping right? I deleted mine. I got sick of it. I'm at the point now where it's like, I want to meet a girl in real life. That sounds exciting. I kept seeing the same quote, and it was driving me crazy. You guys already know the quote. It's super famous. It's by Marilyn Monroe. And it's, uh, if you can't handle me at my worst then you don't deserve me at my best. That's a nice way of saying, hey, I'm awful a lot. I'm going to cause a scene in an olive garden. I, could you 
imagine dating someone like that? That is such an obnoxious position to be to like to be like. Be like, if you can't handle me threatening all your female friends on Facebook, then you don't deserve my freshly baked scones. I'm not taking you to the scone zone. If you can't handle me making out with your best friend at your birthday party, then you don't deserve to make out with me after your birthday party. If you can't handle me skipping my birth control in order to get pregnant, then you don't deserve these two tickets to Six Flags. And yes, Hurricane Harbor is included. I mean, they have a water slide called the Black Hole. 80 foot tall, all black, so don't see when the twists and turns are coming. Just like this relationship. I um, had something happen to me recently, and it's going to sound weird when I say it, so I'm just going to say it. But uh, a while back, had a had a big-time Hollywood agent call me. This guy. And I'm nobody. Gave me a call. Was like, hey, we'd like you to come in. I'm like, okay. And you know, you're just like, you know those days where you just you go to bed feeling like a winner? You know? Just lying there being like, all right, Babcock, pretty good, pretty good, you know? <laughs> Maybe now you can stop describing yourself as perpetually up and coming. So I go in, this big time Hollywood agent's being super nice to me. She's like, Ron, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for making time to come in. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, you know, I had to move some things around, but no big deal. (laughs) Listen, I just want to let you know, I think you are a very talented actor. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, okay, okay. And um, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but... I've been in this business a long time, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt that you would clean up on rapist roles. (laughs) And that's not something you expect to hear on a Tuesday. (laughs) To be told by the Hollywood industry that you have a face for rape. And I think she realized that I did not take that as a compliment because she immediately started backpedaling and going, no, 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 no. Not just rapist roles, but also registered sex offender and kitty diddlers, unregistered sex offenders. What Zooey Dachanel did for quirky, you could do for creepy. And that's the thing about this town. You learn exactly who you are. Like, I thought I was the lovable yet goofy best friend or the doofy dad. Nope. Rapist. (laughs) And here's the thing. She's right. Oh, oh, she is so right. I could totally be that guy. Get in the car! I could be that guy. (laughs) And I know I could be that guy because whenever I take a lady out for drinks, quite frequently when I'm flirting with them, I will hear them say, stop being creepy. I'm not trying to be creepy. This is just my face. (laughs) And what am I going to do? Am I going to be that guy? Well, Well, then what? I'm that guy, and I, what, I get messages from all these people from high school all the time. Dude, we saw you on SVU. You fucking nailed it. We always said you could be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy for my entire career out here. I die in like 40, 50 years. The LA Times runs my obit. Ron Babcock, Hollywood actor, died last night from an apparent heart attack. He was known as Hollywood's rapist. He first forced his way onto the scene in Law & Order SVU and since then has starred in dozens of movies and TV shows being the rapist to the stars. He died alone and is survived by no one. 
And so I told this big time Hollywood agent, I like to write down down there, I said, listen, lady, you know, I don't know who you think you are, but like, I'll definitely go out on a couple of auditions and just see what happens. <laughs> and so I did, and I didn't book anything. And I have never been so proud to fail. You know, just to be like, I'm sorry, you're not creepy enough. Oh, I'm not creepy enough? I'm totally okay with that. And I think there were some girls I met last night at the bar who would beg to differ. But thank you very much. All right, guys, have a good night. Thanks for coming out to the show. We are recording uh, with Ron Babcock. Ron, great set. Uh, you're a great friend. You're a great guy. How does it feel to be great? You know what? I got to say, it uh, feels pretty great. Um, uh, and you mentioned that you have a tour coming up uh, across America. If you could tell us a little bit about that and the listeners uh, can go out and see you. Yeah, I'm, uh, it starts this Saturday, September 13th, and I'm doing it till December 12th. I'm driving from L.A. to New York and back, and um, I got sponsored by this Mercedes restoration company. So I'm actually going to be doing the whole thing in a 1975 uh, Mercedes-Benz. Uh, so, you know, if you guys can go check out MercedesMotoring.com, that would that would be huge. That would be good. And where can they find information about your tour? Uh, everything's at HeyRon.com. has everything. And then I'm going to be posting about it on Instagram at uh, my handle, which is at HeyRon. Awesome, Ron. Great job. And go see him across America. Ron Babcock, everybody. Let him hear it. I think he's a cutie, right? Huh? He could play a cutie role. Clap if you think he could play a cutie role. If you don't clap, you're a fucking monster. Do you understand that? Um, the next guy we have coming up is fantastic. Uh, he just recorded a new hour special. He's one of the best comics uh, in the country. He was just a bumper shoot. Give it up for Matt Bronger, everybody. Let him hear it. Matt Bronger, everybody. Boy, you guys are fun. Uh, I have a question. I'm expecting a certain response, but uh, I have a two-part question. Who here has an iPhone 5 or 5S and also is a fan of mine? That's what I feared. That's what I feared. Well, first of all, fuck you. Uh, Who has an iPhone 5 or 5S? Okay. Who here is a fan of mine? Okay. All right. I have something for you. I went to a bat mitzvah uh, at the House of Blues this Saturday. Learned a few things. One, you can rent out the House of Blues if you're Jewish, uh, which is really cool. Secondly, they, uh, that my cousins, which I had no idea, apparently super wealthy people, fantastic news. You know what I mean? They have millions of dollars. They rented out the House of Blues on a Saturday. Third, they give custom-made iPhone cases to all the Jews that were there. And uh, this is one of my sister and I. I don't have an iPhone. I have a droid because I want to be interesting. Uh, and it's my sister and I. I'm wearing big, funky purple sunglasses. And it says, girls just want to have fun. And you got to put it on your iPhone, sir. Uh, this is, uh, my name is Jake Weissman. Check me out on Twitter. Uh, all right. We're going to keep this going. Uh, this next guy is super funny. Uh, he has, uh, he's part of a podcast called Professor Blastoff. Uh, and he has a Kickstarter right now to fund his stand-up special that will involve animation and all sorts of fun stuff. You can check that out. Uh, give it up for David Huntsberger. Oh, thank you. You haven't done a Kickstarter probably shouldn't do it. It's taxing. <clears throat> and I appreciate that this stool is so low because I do have a propensity to lean on a stool, but this one really stretches it. There's no way to be cool. Anyway, so I was at the bank the other day. Just, <laughs> just a shade too low. 
Uh, how about another hand for everybody you've seen thus far? Don't you think it'd be fun to see a stand-up special where it's like me chatting about and then there's a screen here with animation playing and then it's all abstract and weird. Thank you, four people for moderate. I think it'd be good, so um, if you want to help with that, I would love it. And otherwise, I'll just um, get on my way here. <laughs> this isn't what we came to see, brother. Um, I, uh, I've heard a few of these stories recently that kind of threw me. The first time I heard it, I, I thought it was just a lark or like someone playing a joke where uh, someone, all, it, all the cases it's been a male, had some sort of a head trauma, and then a few months later they're being hauled out of their home in handcuffs with a laptop full of child pornography. Which the first time I heard that, I was, I was convinced it was someone who was just clearly a pedophile and waiting for a good excuse. Just like, <laughs> this damn, remember that bonk on the head I got? <laughs> And then after I heard more of them, I was like, oh, my, that's a real concern. That's, that just adds a new element to life of being terrified for no reason. Now you have to re, really reevaluate everything every time you hit your head. You just, like, get up off a plane, like, Funk, oh, God, am I the kids? Am I the kids now? No? Okay, everything's all right. Everything's fine. Like, you're losing a lot of blood. It could be worse. It could be a lot worse. It's mortifying, but it's also, in a weird way, kind of uplifting that you could change who you are. You know, that you could fundamentally change who you are. Because people try it, you dress differently or eat different foods or whatever. You always just stay you. You stay you. It's impossible to change that. And that, I, I don't know, I kind of want to change. I think there are things that I can't do. Genetically, it is not in the cards for me to, like, dunk a basketball. <laughs> but if I knew that tonight I could go home and just smash my head or, like, huff gasoline or something... <laughs> And then tomorrow be on the playground just throwing it down on people. You would see me tomorrow just like, all right, look, I'm a little different. But watch this. And there's posters of everybody. Well, we can't, you can't do that. We can't change it. And, but we like to think that it, genetics doesn't play that big of a part in the equation. Like, no, nah, no, nah, there's free will. Look at me. I'm choosing to do this. I'm moving my hand right now. There's free will. Sure, okay, if that's all it takes. I, but genetics does play a huge role in it. I mean, it controls so many things. Just... Our freckles and moles, the color of our skin and hair and eyes, and when our teeth come in and when they fall out, we're all barreling right towards puberty. Even if you were a child to have the awareness to see that and go, oh, okay, I get it. I see what's happening. Nah, I'm not going to go through puberty. <laughs> no, I believe in free will. Not going to get pubes. <laughs> pubes everywhere. It's inescapable. And then we think it stops us there. Like, okay, it grows us into an adult. We're a sexually reproductive being now we're on our own. But it's, that's not the case. It might continue beyond that. And I think that's why people have such a hard time aging. Because they don't want to feel like it's their genetic code making them look worse for the rest of their life. You want to feel like it's something you did. Like, no, 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 these wrinkles. This is when I looked into the sun and these bags under my eyes. I fell asleep with that cheese pizza. And then uh, my hair's falling out because I'm stressed at work. And it's great because the kids. These are all choices I've made. <laughs> it's clearly not my own genetic code making me incrementally uglier every single day. That would just be mean. But that could absolutely be happening, and so much worse than just aging. I mean, there are terrible things in there that could just be lurking under the surface. Like, Bell's palsy is a legitimate threat that can happen. No one wants to fathom that the little architects reading the code in your body would just be like, okay, left side of the face, shut it down. <laughs> yeah, off, completely off. I don't know when we're turning it back on. It just says here, off. <laughs> and they just walk around for a month, just like, what the hell is this? Half of your face just one morning was like, nah, I'm not coming in today. And that's your new life. That's a real threat that legitimately concerns... Oh, that scares me. I don't, I don't want that to happen. When things like that do happen, when like your palsy flares up before a first date, or you like get a boil on your head before a job interview or something, 
it feels like there was a sinister third hand involved in your life. You don't want to, it doesn't feel like genetics. You certainly don't want to think it's free will. People like to attribute it to something else. Like, ah, you couldn't script it any better. As if like someone got together and made your life worse. Like a team of writers. Like, ah, you couldn't write, you couldn't script it any better. Like, well, yeah, good writers could. It's just possible that maybe not all of us have real top-notch writing teams working for us. If you think of how many television shows are on the air and how many of them have a really great staff, it's a low percentage. That same percentage could apply to our, all of our lives as well. So that means that maybe some of us have shitty writers, and they're not trying to win an Emmy. They're just trying to keep the show on the air. And imagine how daunting of a task that would be for them every day to fill up every second of your life, just piling into some room like... All right, Tuesday, let's do this. Uh, we got him waking up, he goes into the bathroom, he takes a shower, puts on some clothes, and he eats a little breakfast, and he's headed out the door. Any ideas? What if he forgets his keys? Good, yeah, that's like 20 minutes. Let's go with that. Let's stretch that out. That's awesome. Keep going with that. He could fall down some stairs. That's a little much. Let's scale it back from that. So he's had a hard week. Let's give him something to look forward to, maybe something fun. We could give him a date. Yeah, let's do that. Let's give him a date. That'd be fun. We're still flaring up his palsy, though, aren't we? Oh, of course we are. Of course we are. And that's just how they operate, just making our lives worse for their amusement. I think that's what I would do, too. Like, no version of the afterlife really scares me quite as much as being one of those writers. Like, I show up somewhere. It's just infinite white space, and a giant book plops down in front of me with infinite empty pages. I go, what is this? That's Kenneth. He's 38 years old, lives with his mother, owns a cat, and works in accounts receivable. You'll be writing his life. Is this hell? Pretty much. Uh, all right, day one. Kenneth trips and falls into a lengthy coma. No! No comas, my friend! That's lazy writing! You want to go to real hell? Like, no, all right. <laughs> So if you can't write comas, you can't take the easy way out, what are your other options? You're going to write a life where everything works out and is great? That's totally exhausting, for one, and it's completely unrewarding. No one cares about those lives, which is so sad, but that's true. If someone's telling you that, like, well, I had a terrific upbringing, a wonderful family, I went to a fantastic school, met the woman of my dreams, have a beautiful family, and the career I've always dreamed of. Yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> no one wants to hear that story. It, it just don't. We want to hear the stories that are embarrassing. You know, those are the ones you tell. Like, it sucks in the moment. Like, if you're at a costume party dressed as Pac-Man and you get diarrhea, not that fun at the time. <laughs> Not that, but you still tell that story. That's one of the most interesting things about you. This is an entire art form dedicated to those sort of stories. People are gonna like, I'm going to tell some embarrassing shit. People are like, I will pay money. I want to hear that. But it seems mean at the time, especially if someone's writing it. But that makes me understand the writers to a certain degree that they're just entertaining themselves. They don't mean any harm. They're not trying to make them, our lives worse. They're just trying to entertain themselves. Like down here... Certain things don't seem funny at all. Like someone in the middle of a very heartfelt proposal having an epileptic seizure right in the middle of it. That's not that funny to us. But from above, to have control of that, that's one of the greatest things you could ever see. She's like, Karen, I've come to know you so deeply in these last few months, and I feel like our bond is strong enough that I can finally tell you, and now. Like, that's the funniest thing you could see. Not fun here, clearly. But uh, up above, that's great. All right, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, we're recording David Huntsberger uh, in the green room. David, great set. Thank you. Nice to be in the green room with you. Great set uh, by you as well. You're too kind. Uh, and also, just for anyone listening, you should, if you like podcasts, you should check out his episode of WTF because it's fantastic. Um, you mentioned you have a Kickstarter going on. Could you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about that? Yes. I was looking to do uh, a stand-up special but also involve some animation. And then a bunch of animators reached out and said, hey, I'll help you with that. So I have all these clips now and had to get some specific software to run it. But basically, it's kind of an interactive stand-up special that also shows animation. So we're, the Kickstarter is to make a DVD that will have three versions of it. So you can see just the stand-up version, just the animated version, and then ideally the one we'll shoot, which is both. And uh, where can people find the Kickstarter information uh, so they can donate? <laughs> you remind me of someone like in an audition running lines. <laughs> this is an audition. <laughs> oh, oh, how am I doing so far? Uh, really well. I, they can go to davidhunsberger.com or, or Kickstarter and just search Huntsberger and find it. And there are, I mean, people have contributed a dollar, and I am flattered by that. I think that's great. So if you're kind of going, well, I, I give a dollar, but it'll think I'm cheap. It's not, and I, I think it's, you know, when homeless people are on the side of the road going, God, if everyone just gave me a dime, I'd be doing great. And I was, wow, that's insulting to give this person a dime. In this situation, I've portrayed myself as the homeless person. Yeah, I was going to say donate to David because he's homeless. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you very much and great set. And uh, please donate to his Kickstarter. David Huntsberger. Let him hear it. All right. Uh, we are going to keep this train rolling. Uh, you guys are really wonderful so far. This next guy, genuinely one of my favorite comics. Uh, he's so awesome. He just got back from the uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and he has a lot of projects that he can't talk about yet. Give it up for Julian McCullough, everybody. Why would you say what I told you to say? Hey, guys. Um, I am back from Scotland. Hey, that place doesn't have a vegetable in the entire country. I don't know how anybody goes to the bathroom in Scotland. And then you look around, you're like, oh, you aren't going to the bathroom. Like, all of your bodies are just waiting for that first one. Uh, people are really gross there. So... Also, did you know that people from Scotland are not Australian? Turns out, those are totally different accents. But I mistook them for the same because their behavior is so bad. I was like, what are you, Australian? And they were like, we don't sound like that. I'm like, oh, I know, but you're like racist. Um, so, it's weird, you can't even make jokes about black people in Scotland because they're like, we've seen like a couple. But whatever you're saying sounds right. Um, so Scotland was cool. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I grew up, I don't, I'm a, I'm a new dad and, and I, I am realizing that you can't, um, not be influenced by your own childhood when you're, cause your whole thing is like, well, I'll do it better than my parents did. And my parents, uh, in their defense did not mean to have anyone. Um, <laughs> I was conceived two weeks after they met, which is not enough time to make that decision with somebody. And my mom always said, when I was old enough, and I put the math together on the wedding picture uh, and her being eight and a half months pregnant, they got married in a, a basement art gallery in Portland um, because that's uh, fine in that religion. If you, Anyway, uh, so, 
I was like, Mom, you look like super pregnant um, when you're saying I do. And she was like, yeah, you were conceived two weeks after we, we, I met your dad. And I was like, what? I was like, how did you, what were you thinking? And she was like, I wasn't, but I do think that you just couldn't wait to come into this world. And I was like, I think dad couldn't wait to come. Uh, and that's about the end of how romantic that story is. He did stick around, though, which is nice. He stuck, uh, stuck around, um, and he technically didn't have a car or whatever, but like, I feel like he stuck around because of duty or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, they were, they were crazy in love. It was cool. I didn't have like a normal like, suburban. I always craved like a suburban, like a strip mall. You know what I mean? Just like, a, like neon lights and just like 80s music childhood. You know what I mean? Where everything's simple and awesome and uh, we did not. We grew up I, in, we always grew up in like the hipster neighborhood of, of cities before hipsters were a thing, so really it was just uh, we were the only white people. <laughs> and uh, so it was kind of scary, and we didn't, we, had, we drove an old uh, mail jeep, like an old, that the U.S. government was like, this isn't safe anymore, and my dad was like, we'll take it. And uh, the wheels on the wrong side of the jeep, in the inside, the steering wheel, like Europe or whatever, and my dad was like, I'll figure it out, I'll get used to it. And um, no, I don't know if you know this about male jeeps, but um, the back seat is not there because it's for male. And so they just put a bunch of blankets back there. And me and my sister would hold on. And if we ever got in an accident, we would just get like delivered <laughs> to somebody's house. Um, so that was fun. And. Uh, we didn't have a color TV until I was like 10, which is way after that was like in every house. And I just remember sports were very confusing because I'm like, how all the teams are the same color. How do they know who to throw the ball to? They must all be, they must like be like, you're my friend. <laughs> um, and uh, so I thought, you know, oh, oh, this is the best part. They didn't like plan anything. Like um, the gas gauge in the Jeep didn't work. It was just on E all the time. So they had no idea how much gas they had in the car ever. And I would be in the back seat gnawing my arm off with anxiety, just staring at the E and just being like, we're going to have to walk. We're going to walk. We're going to be on the side of the road on a freeway in San Francisco. And we're just going to have to walk as a family to a gas station. And uh, my dad would use, I was like, can we get the gas gauge fixed? Because I'm not sleeping. And I'm eight. And uh, <laughs> while I'm like holding on with no seat. And uh, I remember my dad being like, what do you need a gas gauge to know how much gas is in a car? And I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad tried to make everything seem like it was his choice, like he was better than the stuff he didn't have, like a gas gauge. He would use my mom. He always trusted my mom's instincts because my mom had very strong feminine intuition. So he'd be like, Patricia, do we need gas? And, uh, and I'd be like, Mom, say we need gas. And she'd be like, mm, we're good. And I'd be like, ah, <laughs> But I know I'm not better because um, when we flew to Scotland, I have a baby, and um, that's a huge fucking flight to take a baby on. And uh, he'd get all his advice about it. You know what I mean? One of the first things of advice is, your baby's going to freak out and make everybody hate you and the flight so you have to bring 
you should make little gift bags to give to the passengers around your baby so they realize that you're good people or whatever. Um, And I was like, I can't remember to pack all the things that are going to keep my baby alive. How the fuck am I going to pack gifts for strangers? If I made you a gift bag on the plane... I would, in four minutes, I'd be like, I'm going to need that back because I forgot food for my baby. <laughs> Let's find out if she has a nut allergy. Um, <laughs> babies can eat. I mean, Reese's isn't even real peanut butter, right? Uh, I'm sure it's fine. You'll never know the anxiety of leaving your baby with a stranger, not a stranger, but like a person that doesn't know how to do it. Um, but the other night, my, my sister finally came down to visit, and she's older, and I had to do a show, and uh, I thought I was going to bring my baby, but it didn't work out, so I was like, Park, can you watch her for a couple hours and put her to bed? And she was like, sure. And then I left, and then I uh, was just freaking out the whole time, because she's a very good person, and she's very, very, has always been very motherly and nurturing to her cat. But that is all of her experience with taking care. So I was just like, the whole time, I'm just like, I'm going to get a text like, is Goldie an indoor-outdoor baby? Because uh, I put her out two hours ago and I haven't heard shit. Like, she'll cry at the door, right, if she gets cold? I put milk in a bowl, she's like, not even drinking it. I was like, um, I guess she's not thirsty or they don't, she doesn't like milk or whatever. Uh, but that didn't happen. Um, I'm excited to... Uh, I, I feel like I'm going to be okay uh, as a father, though, because um, especially when she's a teenager, the tough years, because I collected uh, every single volume of the Babysitter's Club books when I was 10, so like I get what girls go through. Um, like I get all your emotions or whatever. Because um, they covered everything in those books. Like They covered um, being new in school. They covered uh, being poor in a rich town. They covered being uh, like a... um, Oh, the Babysitter's Club broke up and got back together. That's like politics or whatever. That was a really tough (laughs) volume for all of us. Um, And then they cover being uh, Asian. One of the girls was Asian, so I know how to handle that if that comes up. Uh, Ghosts. There was a haunted house one. So no matter what happens, like, whatever goal... The lesson was always the same at the end. It was focus on your babysitting and everything else will fall into place. Uh, Which is not advice. But if Goldie comes home with a teenage problem, she's like, oh, my, you know, my, my friend won't hang out with me anymore because she got a new boyfriend. I'll be like, ah, number eight, boy crazy Stacy. I'll handle this one. Uh, clearly, this new guy's a hot lifeguard down at the pool. And she'll be like, what pool? And I'll be like, it doesn't matter. It sounds like somebody needs to focus on their babysitting. And everything else will fall into place. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Julian McCullough, everybody. We're having so much fun. Uh, we're going to keep going. We have uh, two great comics left. Uh, this next guy has a special on Netflix, which is great. It's called Folk Hero. Give it up for the amazing Nick Thune. Let him hear it. This is an interview with Nick Thune, who performed on tonight's show. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm great. How are you? It's a great set tonight, by the way. So that I Did you, Yeah, you had a great set. You crushed it. Uh, Nick, um, what is it like being a father? Wow. That is um, no different, actually. I feel like I've got more free time. I feel like um, a lot more doors are opening. Um, I've been golfing more than ever. Um, a lot of guy nights out with my buddies. 
Speaking of Guy, what do you think about Guy Branham, another performer on the show and sitting right next to us? Honored to open for him tonight. Um, it felt good to kind of go up and get the audience warmed up. Um, Guy's not a father, and I feel like him and I have a lot in common in the sense of everything besides the fact that I have a baby, I think, you know, pretty similar stuff. I thought he had a great set tonight, too, actually. We both kind of, I think it was the biggest one-two punch. Um, Guy, what do you think about Nick? I think Nick is an amazing talent and is very good at growing a beard. Thank you very much. Uh, you, you have anything uh, fun coming up, Nick, that you want to tell everyone about? Um, I've got tomorrow. I've got some beard trimming, um, m mostly beard maintenance. Um, that's probably till about noon. And I think after that, probably golfing. Probably check out my wife, make sure the baby's okay at some point, and probably do shows. Where can people find you on social media? Um, Arby's.com, obviously at Arby's, at Arby's official, at Arby's unofficial. I run that too. And um, and then just my kind of my passion project at Nick Thune on Twitter. Thank you very much, Nick. Great set tonight. Nick Thune. Oh my God, you guys having a good time? Are you ready for our headliner? You got to give me more. You guys ready for our headliner? All right, this guy is one of the most. He's so talented. He's unbelievable. He has an album coming out uh, on AST Records, uh, his debut album uh, in January. Give it up for Guy Branham, everybody. Let him hear it. I am a rhymes with maggot. Um, they, unfortunately, they don't make tight pants in my size. I have tried. Um, but... It was funny that Nick told that story, uh, because first of all, for those of you at home, Nick is, he, he's a much, he would pass as a rhymes with maggot much better than I do, and he spent his entire set repositioning his hair into new and exciting, like, just out of bed hairstyles, and all of the ladies and homosexual men in the audience just spent the whole time falling in love with him. But um, last year I had to work in New York for a show, and I'm only, because I'm creepily gigantic, no one ever really like says something terrible to me about me being gay, but I was wearing <sighs> cuffed Kelly green capris. And I knew what I was doing when I walked out of the door that morning. And I was on the subway going to Brooklyn, and there were these three teenage boys, and one of them hit the other one, pointed at me, and said, it that faggot from that movie which was a moment of real mixed emotions for me because on the one hand, this person was assuming that like, you know, heteronormativity gave him the right to talk down to me because he's heterosexual and I am gay. On the other hand, he has seen the 2011 romantic comedy No Strings Attached and recognized me from it, which means I am barely famous. Um, I did have to live in New York last year. Uh, I hated it. What do people say about New York? What do people say about New York? There was a lot of noises and I couldn't distinguish any of them. I didn't, I, what I was going for was if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. They do not say that about Los Angeles. Because you can make it here. Shit is fine in Los Angeles. And you're probably like, oh, but Guy, but Guy, life isn't perfect for me. My acting hasn't, it hasn't blown up. I'm, I'm sad. Yeah, 
go cry in your pool. Sure, it may just be a pool in the middle of your apartment building in Toluca Lake, but it is still functional in February. <laughs> oh, oh, do you not have a recording contract? Go have sex with a person who would be the hottest human being in any town in Nebraska. <laughs> because life is hard everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. This is just the place that it is least hard on the planet. And we don't come up with cute slogans about it. We have too many people already. Avocados are expensive enough. <laughs> um, both Julian and Nick uh, talked about Portland. Um, oh no, there's a joke I was supposed to tell first. <laughs> um, it's basically just the difference between like gay male porn and straight porn, because I don't, like, who knows what lesbian porn is? Those of us who are not lesbians would not recognize it. We would think it was like a tree root or something, and we just would not understand its significance. Is this a jar of preserves? No, that's my porn. Um, but gay men have porn that is very much like straight porn, and, like, the core difference, the, the single difference, is that in gay male porn, no one is scared. <laughs> like, do you know those noises that women make in, in heterosexual pornographic films? No one makes those in gay porn films. Do you know, like, Japanese pornography? Unimaginable in gay porn. Even in a gay porn where a person is supposed to be scared, that's the premise, they're still totally into it and you can always tell. Um, I, was, I was recently in... Uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, and for who here has been to Portland? Yeah. Okay. Um, Portland, for those of you who haven't been, is what would happen if San Francisco quit its job to focus on its music? <laughs> um, it is a very in touch with itself place. Um, but I went to a strip club, and like normally as a gay man at a strip club, like you're just like. It's just empathy with that lady. What's going on? This is so sad. This is so terrible. The patriarchy is making her do that. But like in Portland, you have these strippers who feel like they have a master's degree about it. Like they put the butt in Judith Butler. All right, you're that. I'm just gauging you guys. I'm get, the graduate degrees are over there, and I'm comfortable with that. You guys are my friends. Um, but it was like, it was exciting because I was getting to watch these ladies be like excited about their bodies. And even though that's not what I was into, it, like it was lovely. And then a woman on all fours sort of like exposed her pelvic maw at me. <laughs> and I realized if you jizz in one of those and you don't do anything about it, eventually a human being could crawl out. <laughs> That is terrifying, ladies and gentlemen. That is terrifying. And I know that you guys think that gay sex is weird and disgusting. No. That is so much worse. Poop will never blame you or vote. <laughs> Who here was raised Catholic? Uh, I was not. I am, I am Jewish. No one ever thinks that I'm Jewish because I don't look physically weak. Um, but it's very hard for me to talk about the Catholic Church because on the one hand, they're super misogynistic, super homophobic, don't believe in gay marriage. 
But on the other hand, I have to know that if I had been born in the year 1400, I would run that shit. (laughs) Do you understand what I am talking about? What I am saying is that each, that's the light, each and every one of us, when we wake up in the morning, ask ourselves, this job that I have, this job, is, is this the job that makes me, could make me happiest on the planet? Is this the job where I'm giving the most that I could back to the world? And when I think about that perfect job for me, my mind always goes back to Renaissance Pope. <laughs> I want you to think about what a Renaissance Pope needs to do on a day-to-day basis. A, have sex with teenage boys. Done. <laughs> B, solve international conflicts. I was a poli-sci major. C, approve of or disapprove of art. We all know how much I've been judging this lady's floral print on black dress since I got up here. (laughs) It is adorable. What does a Renaissance Pope need to do on a day-to-day basis? D, eat geese. (laughs) Again, done. All right. It's time for me to leave. Um, Before I go, uh, do we have any heterosexual men here tonight? Okay. All of you failed except for that guy because you guys have gotten to run everything for all of history and those of us who have been ground down under your heels would like to hear some of the passion that allowed you to be in charge always, okay? So let me hear it, gentlemen, who here is a heterosexual man. For those of you listening to the podcast, a man in plaid just leaned over and talked for approval to the lady next to him so that she would not get mad at him for having been too heterosexual in public. And whatever you're doing, lady, good job. Mustache, what's your name? Jeff. Jeff, pretty name for a pretty face. Jeff, just a quick question. Jeff, do you have a cute little impression of gay guys that you do? Oh, Jeff. (laughs) Do you expect all of us here to believe that you don't have an adorable little impression of gay guys that you do when you're, like, um, making fun of your girlfriend's best friend or the person who served you a smoothie that morning? Do you expect us to believe that, Jeff? I don't expect it, but I hope. Well, Jeff, you can try to be better than the rest of us, but the rest of us are human beings. Are you better than us? Do you have have a butthole, Jeff, or are you better than us? Do you not poop because Jeff is just a better person than all of us here? Do you have a butthole, Jeff, or do little elves and fairies come and remove the poop from your body at night and carry it away to a forest? Are you just better than the rest of us, Jeff, or are you a fucking human being who has made mistakes like the rest of us? You've made mistakes, Jeff. Are you willing to admit that one of those is, at at various points in time, doing a cute little impression of a gay guy? All right, Jeff. We've had a breakthrough, you guys. I take take Blue Cross. That's fine, Jeff. It's perfectly fine. Like, straight guys, you exist at a magical point in time in civil rights history. It is a turning point. When you guys were growing up, your cute little impression of a gay guy was a normal part of male bonding on the flag football field in junior high. But now, if you do that self-same impression of a gay guy, you are one of the evil people in The Help. You, you do your cute little fag voice and suddenly you're a bad person in a civil rights movie who doesn't think that Viola Davis should be able to poop on the inside like a regular person. <laughs> Straight guys are very confused by the way that gay guys talk. Guys like, I don't know why I talk like this. I am one of nature's miracles. 
I don't know why I have this accent. It's not like I grew up with my parents speaking gay to me. They are not recent immigrants from Pakistan. My current working theory is that all of the penises beating against the back of my throat have somehow altered the acoustics. It's like a cathedral in my mouth. Thank you very much and good evening. Guy Branham, let him hear it, everyone. You guys have been wonderful. Uh, David Huntsberger, Ron Babcock, Matt Bronger, Julian McCullough, Nick Thune. Awesome. You guys are awesome. You can listen to us on iTunes or here every week. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you. Put your hands together. 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 Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, Jazos. Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.